Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Podcast, Falcons vs. Seahawks Week 3 Game Preview. I'm Kevin Knight, your host at Falcoholic. Kevin, Alan Sterk is on vacation this week, but it's alright because I got an excellent guest for today's show. He is former Seahawks Pro Bowl linebacker Lofa Tatupu. He is at Lofa Tatupu 51 on the Twitters and the co-host of the Believe in Seahawks podcast. Lofa, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm um, blessed, brother. Thank you for having me. And and your boy, it's only week three and he's already on a bye week vacation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Something about a friend's wedding, you know, with these excuses, they get more elaborate every day. So hey, true friends don't schedule weddings during football season. Well, you'd think he would know better, but I think he said it was in Hawaii or something like that. So I, I understand, you know, yeah, hard to resist that uh, temptation. So, yeah, well, Lofa and I are going to break down this game, guys. We're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to cover most of the Falcons' perspective, and Lofa is going to handle the Seahawks' perspective uh, of two teams sort of in similar situations, I think, and, and that kind of at the beginning, you know, early stages of, of sort of a total teardown and rebuild. You, both teams traded their franchise quarterbacks this offseason. The Falcons traded Matt Ryan to the Colts. Doesn't seem to be going super well for him, unfortunately. Uh, and Russell Wilson traded to the Broncos. Also, doesn't seem to be going super well for him either, unfortunately. Uh, but how is that for you, Lofa, and the Seahawks? Uh, how was that to, to lose a franchise icon like Russell Wilson? And how has that affected the team so far? Yeah, I mean, quarterbacks are playing well into their 40s now. And, uh, you know, I, guess I believe Russell's going to do just that. So... Uh, one of the best, and it's always it hurts to lose a franchise quarterback, as you know. So um, it's been a transition, and you know I just I like the way this team fights, but I think they're still trying to find their identity. And I mean, you could probably speak to it. I think from what I've seen or caught of the Falcons, I think it's kind of similar situation over there. Yeah, very much trying to get rid of the old identity of the chokers and the, the guys that blow leads. And they didn't do a great job of getting rid of that label in week one, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or week two. They didn't finish, or week right? two. Yeah, well, they, they were down, well, you know, they were down 28 to three to the Rams, uh, which, of course, mm. you know, that that started the, the darkness for many people. But they did actually fight back uh, to get it within, I think it was four uh, but they couldn't quite close it out. Two of those points were an intentional safety by the Rams to try to burn clocks. So that's, you know, part of it. But they were within a score. Um, so it, it's nice, even though it didn't come to fruition completely, it was nice to be actually coming back to potentially be the one to pull off the big upset uh, late in the game for once. We haven't seen that very often in Atlanta. So <laughs> I mean, at least you guys were in the game. We, I don't know, from the start of our second, you know, week two matchup against the Niners, it was just, it was ugly. And, uh, think they outgained us you know everything was in their favor like probably two to one even clock management or, or time of possession so 
it was not how we wanted to, you know, rebound after a very emotional week one matchup with our former quarterback, which we won. You know, I think, you know, that was, uh, I was saying it on the, the Take 12 podcast on the Believe Network, that's, that's our podcast, that this is going to tell us a lot. And if we could just even, there's no moral victories in the NFL, but if you just keep it close, it tells me that this team's got something to build on because San Fran was coming off an embarrassing loss where they gave up, you know, 19 unanswered or 20 unanswered to lose to the Bears in week one. And so I thought if we could just keep it close, because that's a great defense. And then, you know, it was from the start, it was not close. And we, we did some things that hurt us. Uh, 11 or 12 penalties, that's not going to help you on the road. And then, uh, you know, a couple turnovers there. So uh, it, our lone score came from a, a blocked kick uh, by the rookie, Tariq Woolen, and in return by Michael Jackson. So that was a bright spot. But even on special teams, we did fumble the ball or uh, we, we muffed the punt, um, which led to seven points and it broke it open to like a 20 nothing instead of a, a 13 nothing uh, second half lead. Yeah, yeah. The special teams – was an issue for the Falcons last week as well. Early, uh, we had Young Way Koo miss a 44-yard field goal, which is very unusual for him. He was over 90% last year, so I'm not thinking that's a, some, anything to worry about. I mean, I think he nailed like five of six against uh, against the Saints in week one, only missing that 63-yard, you know, sort of Hail Mary uh, yeah. equivalent field goal sort of attempt. Um, but the Falcons also blocked a punt last week. Rookie, uh, Another rookie, Troy Anderson, another... I think perfect 10 RAS relative athletic score athlete Tariq Woolen, I know is one as well um, getting the blocked punt there that helped the Falcons close the gap on the Rams. Uh, Not enough, sadly, uh, but it's always nice to see the rookies going out there making those impact plays uh, on special teams or wherever, wherever they are. So uh, Tariq Woolen was a guy I really liked uh, coming out of the draft. Uh, How has he been so far? I think he's actually starting on defense as well. Freak of nature, uh, six four, six five, you know, uh, 200. I think he's 205, 210, whatever he is, but four two speed. Uh, man, it's you know, really like you built in a lab, man, or like you know, the perfect Madden player when you're creating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's been great, and you know, the ceiling's even you know, especially high for him because he, he only played DB one year at, in college, he was a receiver, much like Richard Sherman, that that changed over, and so I. I'm seeing a lot of traits, you know, just like Sherm when he, he came in as a young guy. Um, probably not as polished as Sherm was, but, you know, that's Stanford, you know, that's Stanford for you, those smart guys. They know yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's a good transition into sort of our first matchups that we'll look at, which would be the Falcons sort of receiving weapon group versus the Seahawks secondary. Uh, we mentioned Tariq Wollin, one of the starters. Uh Who's the other outside starter? I know, I think Kobe Bryant, the Kobe other Bryant's rookie. Kobe Bryant's yeah. got some time in there, and he, he's, he's looking really good. He had a tough tough matchup. Just one bad play, probably against the Broncos, against Jerry Judy, one of the fastest, best receivers in the league. Um, yeah, and they had Court and Sutton. They, they had a lot of weapons, and I thought we, yeah. we helped really well against uh, Russ and that, that passing attack. In the next one, you know, it was kind of uh, – it was crazy because – Trey Lance goes down immediately. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, the game plan, we were probably a little more suited for a rushing attack with, uh, with Trey even holding on to the ball and, and taking off, you know, using his legs because he's a phenomenal athlete. And so when he got hurt and Jimmy G came in, it was like they didn't miss a beat from last year. And they saw, they saw some guys running wide open down the field uh, and on some, like some high, low concepts, which was giving us problems last year. So hopefully we can shore that up because, I mean, I know you guys got, you know, a bunch of talented receivers, uh, including my boy, 
from SC, fight on. Yeah, yeah. Drake London has been the Falcons' number one target, even over Kyle Pitts so far, which has really shocked and upset a lot of fantasy players, um, among other among Falcons fans as well. Uh, a little bit concerned there. But yeah, so far the Falcons' offense mostly running through Drake London. Uh, but the Falcons as a whole have sort of totally revamped their receivers, gone with a very... Uh, outside of Alameda Zacchaeus, who's sort of their like speedster yards after catch guy, it's all skyscraper types. You know, you got uh, obviously London's nearly six five, Kyle Pitts six six, uh, Brian Edwards and Kaderil Hodge are their other two guys, and they're both six three. So, um, how do you feel about Seattle's ability to match up with those those weapons? How have they handled size thus far? Yeah, I think we've been all right. Um, you know, more more so it's the concepts rather than the the, the personnel that has given us the, the most problem. And I think when we, we transition from, you know, more of a traditional 4-3, which we ran for 10 years, over to the true 3-4, I think guys are still trying to get their legs and their bearings out there and, and figure out how, how best or how, you know, uh, Clint Hurt, our defensive coordinator, and Sean Desai really want them to execute the game plan uh, in coverage. Yeah, yeah, that – I totally get that. The Falcons also transitioned more to a 3-4 defense recently after being sort of that 4-3 under. Very familiar look in Seattle, I'm sure, under Dan Quinn. Um, And yeah, that's been a bit of a transition as well. Um, I am... I know uh, linebackers, Jordan Brooks was a guy I, I thought I was high on. And then the Seahawks took him in the first round uh, last year. And I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe there's someone higher than me uh, on Jordan Brooks. But it seems like he's actually been what you guys have been hoping for in the linebacker core. And then is it Barton, I think, is the other Tony linebacker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how has that group done so far? And do you think they have any chance of, of matching up on Kyle Pitts, who's probably going to they're going to try to get him more involved on linebackers from what we're hearing? Yeah, that's going to be tough duties. I think, you know, our, our best matchup, even though he's not a very big guy, is Quandre Diggs, who's been our most uh, efficient playmaker over the last five, six years since he's been here. Um, guy's been just an absolute stud, you know, Pro Bowl safety. Um, yeah, I do I do worry about if we do get in some man coverages with, uh, with Pitts versus Barton and Brooks. Um, they are incredible athletes, but they're, you know, I mean, Brooks, Brooks is like six, six one. Barton's about 6'2", maybe 6'3", so he's got the size, but it's more the speed aspect that I worry about with Pitts. Um, That guy's really a receiver. (laughs) Yeah. He's actually gotten to be, well, it's made a lot of Falcons fans angry, but he's actually blocked a lot thus far and actually been a better blocker than expected, which is not making anyone happy, obviously, but um, that has been something that, you know, has, has evolved, and I keep telling people, like, it's never a bad thing that your tight end's good at blocking. Like, you know, obviously you want him to catch more passes, but like if he can, like he's not going to catch a pass every play. So if he can actually be an impact blocker, that makes him more of a moving more towards a full package sort of guy, like a Gronk or a Kelsey, as opposed to more of a, like a Darren Waller style guy. So I, I don't have a problem with it. I'm certainly not upset about him being a good blocker, but I think that the criticism is that why is this, why did he only get three targets last week? You know, everybody's very upset about that, but Drake London has been benefiting from that. Um, so we'll see, I'm sure a lot of Drake London in this game as well. Um, moving over to, well, I did want to touch on, um, completely drawing a blank on the, the safe Jamal Adams, uh, goes mm. down in week one. How big of a loss has that been thus far for the Seattle secondary? I think, you know, because again, I think Diggs is kind of like the the, mm. the leader on the back end in terms of getting guys aligned and making sure they're in the right checks when we go into an audible or, or trying to change the play. Uh, Jamal, from an emotional standpoint and, and just the playmaking ability, 
his loss is definitely felt, you know, from forced fumbles, sacks. Uh, I've, I've never seen somebody that incredible and blitzing from the second level as a safety. Uh, I got to play with one of the guys, Lawyer Malloy, also a former, former Falcon. Uh, yeah. He, he was probably one of the other guys that I've seen from that second level just come through and, and, and wreak havoc. And so uh, it's like even if you know that guy is coming on the blitz, it's hard to stop him. He's still going to get pressure if he doesn't get the sack. So that's really where we're feeling, uh, you know, the loss of Jamal. Yeah, yeah, I know that's uh, – it's never fun to lose a, a huge impact player like that. That happened to the Falcons with Keanu Neal uh, a couple of years back too, losing your sort of big hitter enforcer type um, so certainly hope he's able to come back healthy here uh, after his recovery. Um, moving more to the uh, the front, uh, the Falcons offensive line, a couple new faces out there, and Elijah Wilkinson at left guard and Drew Dahlman at center. Um, week one, they only allowed one quarterback hit and no sacks, which is, of course, a miracle for the Falcons offensive line. Uh, allowed the most sacks in the league last year, most pressure. Um, last week, not as good. Uh, allowed three sacks to the Rams, who, of course, have Aaron Donald and a lot of talent there. But uh, how has the Seahawks' pass rush been so far? Is that uh, a part of their defense that's been good, or is that something that's been, that's struggled so far? Yeah, it's been good. We, we're probably the deepest on that defensive line that the Hawks have been since, you know, the LOB era when when we were too deep. And, you know, even Cliff Averill, all pro Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett were actually not starters on that, that squad. That's how deep it was until the second and third year they took over for Chris Clemens and Red Bryant. So um, they, you know, Nuwasu has been amazing. Uh, another Trojan. I mean, I'm it's kind of been a trend here. Trojans just dominating the NFL. <laughs> yeah. But he's a defensive player of the week. Uh, his first game here with the Hawks. I know that's been incredible. Forced two fumbles, came back, had a, lot, a couple pressures last week. Um, Mafe, he's looked pretty good uh, when he's got in there. The rookie from Minnesota. Um, up front, in the, Al Woods has just been a force. That's the guy that Falcon fans should be afraid of in the front, him and Puna Ford. But I think Al Woods, you know, he had like seven or eight tackles, two for a loss, and uh, and a, a couple pressures that last week. I mean, at 34 years old, I don't know how a guy's doing it, man. It's like he keeps getting younger. Yeah, yeah. You just, I know there was a couple of a uh, couple of nose tackles that are really that. It just seems like that's one of the spots in the defensive line where these guys can just keep churning out uh, production year after year. Uh, I know the Falcons had a couple of guys like that over the years too. Um, just reliable quality players just out there making yeah. plays every week. Um, and speaking of, you know, the nose tackle, the, the interior situation, the Falcons very up and down in terms of their ability to run the football week one, put up over 200 rushing yards against the saints who are of course known for their run defense last week against the Rams. They can't quite crest a hundred. Um, they struggled a lot more in that regard. How has the Seahawks run defense been thus far? This is an area of concern for me and, and should be for all Hawk fans because I really think, you know, with Denver and Javante Williams, they didn't even really try to run the ball. I think he was averaging five or six, and they just like, oh, we're going we're gonna to let Russ cook. We're going to let him throw it, you know, 40 times. And the game really, it was a close game. It didn't call for that. So I was very shocked and pleased as a fan that <laughs> they, they, they chose that, that attack. Now we get to, you know, week two facing a very tough Niners team that, you know, they have all sorts of weapons, even, even, even losing Elijah Mitchell, they still got Jeffrey Wilson. They still, they, uh, Debo Samuels carries the ball a lot, you know, even though he's a receiver and I was worried about it and they ran the ball at will. I think they had 189 yards to our 36. 
and it, it really, when Jimmy G got in there, it opened up the passing game and the run game. And I, but I think even if, if Trey was still there, they would have leaned more heavily on the run. And man, I, it was it was ugly in terms of in the trenches. So uh, I'm hoping, you know, because you guys look, Cordero Patterson, uh, he is a beast. And if he hits the seam, it, you're not catching him. So I am worried about that. Algier loved him in college, and uh, I know he's getting healthy. So that is really for any any Falcons fan to get excited about and any Hawks fan to be concerned about. I think the run game is really uh, going to be an area of focus uh, for this game. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Arthur Smith, the Falcons head coach, really wants to get that part of the offense going. Last year, it, they were one of the worst rushing attacks in the league. I know that upset him greatly. Um and Cordell Patterson, as good as he is, this is a guy they don't necessarily want taking like 22 carries like he did in week one, which is why they brought in someone like Tyler Algier. They split the workload last week. It wasn't as effective. Um, I think that had probably more to do with the game script getting out of hand really quickly in that one. So I do expect that we'll see the Falcons again try to sort of uh, really hammer the run um, against the Seahawks, take advantage of what might be a weakness on that defense. Um, and then the quarterback run is another facet. Marcus Mariota in week one, very successful, had almost 70 yards on the ground, a lot quieter against the Rams. How were, how were the Seahawks performing against Trey Lance, who was yeah, unfortunately did get hurt early in that game? Is that is the quarterback run something you're concerned about as well? Uh, this week, yeah. You know, last week we didn't really get to see enough. It was like maybe a quarter and yeah. a couple, you know, some change uh, against Trey. But, yeah, it was something we were looking towards, um, you know, how will we hold up against uh, against Trey Lance. So, and then Jimmy G got in there, and, you know, he did, he doesn't keep the ball. So, um, yeah, the whole offense just changed into a more, more balanced attack. Yeah, yeah. So, interested to see. I don't think the Falcons want to run Mariota uh, a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he does have fumbling issues when he carries the ball too frequently. We saw that, unfortunately, at, near the end of the game against the Saints. Yeah. Um, really should have slid there, but he, he took he owned he owned up to it. You know, we've seen, yeah. uh, you know, I, I love Mariota. He's he's a cool guy. I think he's the perfect sort of interim starter for this Falcons team, um, showing the young guys how to do things the right way. But uh, got to hold on to the ball. That's been an issue for the Falcons thus far as they have turned the ball over. Um and snapping as well with the young center. Uh, there's been some snap issues. So hopefully they're going to get that cleaned up. If not, we might see last year's starter at center and Matt Hennessy come back on the field at some point. But uh, yeah. by all accounts, they like Drew Dahlman. This regime drafted him. So uh, he's going to get the first shot there. Um, moving over to the Seattle side on offense. Uh, talk about Seattle's weapons. Obviously, everyone knows the receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Uh, and Geno Smith has been very accurate thus far with an 81% completion percentage leads the NFL. Um, I've heard that there, that some people are saying that maybe it's not as good as it seems at the quarterback position. What is your thought on how things have gone uh, for the Seahawks passing game thus far? I'm pretty pleased with Geno, but uh, you know, I think really we're, we're Hawk fans, you know, upset. We're not really taking the shots down the field that we did with Russ. And so I was concerned, like, hey, are we going to open the playbook and give it all to Gino? Like, hey, man, you know, go for it. And even Pete's comments in one of his press conferences was like, we need to really trust Gino more. That led me to believe that they're they're not taking shots. We had one trick play that he completed, but um, it was a line illegal lineman downfield. So they, they that brought it back. That was a big game, unbelievable catch by DK, just doing what he does and 
going up and mossing somebody. And I think that's really – we saw it when Geno came in last year. We saw it um, against the Jaguars. He had a one-on-one up the sideline. And the guy – it was perfect coverage, blanket coverage. But he just trusted him, threw it up, and he came down with it. You know, those 50-50 balls with DK, a guy like his caliber is out there. It's more of like an 80-20 in our favor. So I think we're going to see some more shots down the field. Because we didn't take many shots down the field, uh, the secondary for San Fran started, you know, crouch, you know, closing in on the space and jumping routes. That's how they came away with an interception, almost got another one uh, later in the game. So I'm interested to see what we do this week to, to give Gino, you know, the confidence to, yeah, he hasn't really turned the ball one turnover in two games. You know, he's played well, stand, stood tall in the pocket, taken what the defense has given him. But, you know, this is a 10-year veteran. I know I know he hasn't started a ton of games, but a 10-year veteran, he, he knows what he's doing, and I want to see them, you know, let, let it loose. Yeah, yeah, I suspect that we'll see it if, if possible against the Falcons, who have given up quite a lot through the air thus far. Uh, A.J. Terrell has struggled. Um, not necessarily his fault. You know, I think he's given up. He gave up two touchdowns to Michael Thomas that were basically just impossible to defend. Uh and, you know, so it, it's been not as good as hoped there. Uh, the Falcons secondary as a whole hasn't been as good as hoped. Um, veteran Casey Hayward is the other corner now. He had an interception last week against the Rams that was crucial to the uh, attempted comeback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're starting two new safeties in Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant. Um, the problem is their slot situation uh, because Isaiah Oliver is on IR to start the season, still recovering from his uh ankle injury last year, the season ending injury. And they haven't really decided on what, who they're playing in the slot. They just keep changing it out. Usually multiple times per game last week, it was safety. Eric Harris playing the slot, which didn't really go super well. Um, D Alford, the CFL player, uh, I think has been the best there, but he's small. Um, you know, he's like 180 pounds. So vulnerable against the run, not that he's a poor tackler, but not necessarily someone who's going to move the pile in that, in that way. Um, and they've also played veteran Mike Ford there, who's more of a special teamer. So the slot is definitely someplace where uh, the Seahawks can take advantage. I know Tyler Lockett will be happy about that. Um, but uh, moving on to the run game, obviously Seattle in the past, very high emphasis on the run. Um, two good running backs in Rashad uh, Penny and Kenneth Walker, the rookie. Uh, how has that run game looked so far for Seattle? Uh, non-existent. I mean, I don't think we've even ran it more than 30 times in the two games combined, you know, and I think that's that's really something that they have to get going if they want to take the shots downfield because those shots downfield, they generally come off of play action, but there's no need to bite on play action. I mean, we ran 14 times last week, and, and the game wasn't that far out of hand to dictate, hey, we got to air it out 50 times, so we're either stopping the clock or getting yardage, right? Um, it's, uh, so we'll see what happens, uh, but it goes hand in hand, but you have to at least attempt to run the, run the ball. Like I said, we only had 47 plays last week, only 14 runs, but even the week before Penny was averaging five yards a carry. We only gave him 12 runs. You know, you'd like to see more volume there. I know he's been, uh, you know, banged up with some injuries in the early part of his career, but this is a contract year for him. And I know he's hungry. He finished the season last year. We, we all did, you know, on a great run. Uh, winning four out of five games. I think we averaged 150 yards rushing. And we saw how much it opened up the pass game for Russ when, you know, when we played last year. So um, we got to make it easier on Gino in that regard that the actual play action does 
you know, bring, bring the defenders up in the box and we have the shots deeper to take. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it's odd to me. Like it, well, it was funny. I know a lot of people were joking, you know, about the Geno Smith. Like, oh, is he going to let Geno cook now? He never let Russ cook, you know, talking about taking more deep shots. But the run, and then the run game hasn't really seen the volume that we've traditionally thought of with Seattle. So it's been a little bit of an odd start, certainly, to the year for Seattle's offense. Um, you know, I do yeah. wonder if it has to do. Yeah, it was there something you want to add, sir? Yeah, and both close games. So mm-hmm. it's not yeah. like, you know, we, we we should not be airing it out. We should be airing on the side of caution. And I, I don't mean playing conservative, but hey, give the defense a little time to, like, you know, get their, their win back. Because if, if this happens, we're trending on the way we were last year. We started out pretty decently, but then against Tennessee, against Minnesota, against uh, a couple other teams in the first five weeks, our defense was on the field for like 70 and 80 plays, that's like a game and a half. Now that wears you down. I don't care how good you are. That wears you down personnel wise. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, it's, it's tough to do that. And, you know, on the offensive line as well, uh, Seattle's starting a lot of new faces. there. two rookie tackles and Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, uh, both players I liked a lot in the draft. Uh, also got Gabe Jackson at right guard, Austin Blythe now at center, and then Damian Lewis at left guard. Um, we haven't gotten Thursday's injury report yet. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. Um, I know on Wednesday, Gabe Jackson w- did not participate, but I think it was not injury related. Like there, it was rest. Um, mm-hmm. Lewis, I believe was injured on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so there might be more concern there, but, uh, I think Austin Blythe was limited. Um, but how has the offensive line looked so far with a lot of new faces out there? I thought they looked great. And I mean, it's really been complimentary ball between them and Gino. Gino's gotten rid of the ball in a timely fashion, so it hasn't really put them under a lot of stress. And I think he he knows that being a veteran, that he's got two young guys out there. And, uh, you know, even Damian, he's been battling that ankle injury since since preseason. And so he knows he doesn't have a lot of time, but, um, you know, it's been going hand in hand. I'm pleasantly surprised. Penalties, you know, a couple last week, um, whether it was a hold or, or the illegal man downfield, just uh, some things you got to clean up, but you can expect with some young guys. And I think you know, as we were just talking about, you can help them out by running the ball more and uh, and making their lives easier and trying try to get ahead of the sticks. Yeah, absolutely. It's same situation with the Falcons. You just got to keep ahead, not put those young tackles under a lot of pressure. Um, and that is an interesting thing. Like if they're going to take more deep shots, that I think that means that they have more faith in these guys to hold up because it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I, I think... Uh, it's rare to see the two rookies starting at bookends. Um, how have the, how have those guys been? Have they been as, as hoped so far? Yeah, they look great, man. They really have. They, they, they don't, they look like they're ready for the moment. Um, they're both really phenomenal athletes, you know, and to step into the trenches as a rookie, that is, some, you know, that's a tough, tough, tough duty. So uh, pleasantly surprised with them. And they're only going to get better. That's the beauty of it. So, when this thing really starts to gel and get going, um, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for this offensive line. Yeah, Charles Cross doesn't surprise me at all because technically probably the most refined mm-hmm. offensive lineman in the in the draft class coming out. And I think that uh, makes that pick made so much sense for Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of people thought he was not a good run blocker. I didn't really see that. They just didn't ask him to do it a lot, you know, in college yeah. uh, because of the, the style of offense. But he... Whenever he did, he looked fine to me. So I'm glad to, to hear he's doing well. He's going to be just fine. He's a yeah, phenomenal yeah. athlete for that size and, and, and super strong. Yeah, absolutely. And then at tight end, we saw an explosion of tight end production for Seattle in week one. And then week two, 
Uh, less so. Uh, and it, how how does that group? Uh, what do you think this here, week? <laughs> it went from here to here. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think tight end, as we talked about with Pitts, in the middle is is one of the you know areas of weakness that all great teams have exploited. You know, whether it's with Kelsey Kittle, you know, all these great Gronk, all these great tight ends. Man, it's it's a tough matchup. These are guys that are generally six five, six six. They've got adequate speed. Some have, you know, blazing speed like Pitts. But it's a it's a really, you know, an area where quarterbacks can attack. And then I really like the way we did go about it in uh, in the first week. And then this last week, you know, it just it kind of, you know, disappeared, man. Don't even know. I don't I don't know how many attempts they got. Uh, but yeah, we got Disley. We got Kobe Parkins who's like six, seven, six, eight. So those are those are some big targets, and uh, and they could. You know, especially Disley, he surprised a lot of people with uh, yards after the catch. So I want to see them get him going. Yeah, yeah. It's always, I think, the Seahawks tight ends, especially in fantasy, are like, you know, just the the sirens call. It's like you see, because every once in a while, Will Disley or one of those guys is going to have like a, you know, 100-yard game. And then like, there'll be like three weeks of nothing. But like, you always are like, wait, like if I need a tight end, like I know Will Disley, like he could possibly get me like a huge game. But most of the time he won't. But um, yeah. So we got a trend going on on the Take 12 pod, my podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, We had Will and... Kobe on for inadvertently Kobe was just hanging out with Will so he's not on the show but they both scored a touchdown and then we were trying to schedule uh you know a current active player for our week two we couldn't find one and we didn't score one touchdown so well there you go this week we had Nick Ballore I doubt that a fullback is going to get the ball but I said hey if you give us a big hit or a turnover it counts as yeah towards the trend yeah we will accept that we will accept that you know uh Wait, and you know what? I was down at SC and I saw, I met Drake, you know, London. And the very next day he scored his first career touchdown. It's, it's a trend. It's real. All right. Well, we got to get you and Drake uh, to, to hook up again before uh, the, the game week. for sure. So not, not this week. week. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we'll just have to, we'll go back to that. Well, in future weeks for sure. So, yeah. I'll bring uh, him on after this week. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good call. Good call there. But uh, yeah, I think we've, we've hit most of the major position groups. Um, Really interested to see the Falcons defense in particular, very up and down, like week one against the Saints. They basically shut them down for three, the better part of three quarters, then gave up, you know, the monsoon of aerial stuff in the, in the fourth against the run. They've been pretty stout both weeks. So maybe not the best opportunity for Seattle. Um, The pass rush has been like week one. They were blitzing. It was all working for most of that game. Falcons got four sacks, which of course was almost 25% of their entire total from last season. Uh, they only, they only had 18 sacks last year in the entire no. season. Yep. Wow. Um, they did get one more against the Rams last week. So they're, they're almost, you know, I think we're going to get more than 18 this year. It seems like, but uh, <laughs> that is, that has been a constant problem. So we'll, we'll see if they can sort of get back on the horse this week uh, and, and put a little pressure on, especially if Seattle does, like I think they will try to attack deep um, because this defense has been very vulnerable uh, to the intermediate and deep area of the field. Um, but yeah, I think, this is a fascinating game because I think these are, like we said at the top of the show, two teams that are sort of in a similar place, two teams in a similar talent level, and that, you know, they're they're in the bottom, you know, 25% of the of the NFL in terms of their roster talent at this point. Um, and neither one necessarily a favorite for the playoffs. Um, so, and, and both teams, I think, have played against two teams 
that are projected to make the playoffs in their first two games. So we haven't really had a chance to see either team against what should be a fairly evenly matched opponent. So I'm interested to see how these guys perform basically. Um, you know, is the, do these two teams come out swinging and it's a big offensive randomly game because they finally get to go against each team gets to go against defenses that maybe aren't up to snuff. Or I wonder if it, it just all implodes into an ugly mess, but um, hoping for the former. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's a matchup that both teams, they desperately need, right? Uh, you guys got to get on the board with your first win. We got to get that horrible taste out of our mouth from, you know, last week. So uh, I'd expect, you know, a championship matchup. And, you know, I think it's going to be the first thing you said, an all-out aerial assault, big, maybe a lot of points. I think it's going to be an exciting game. Yeah, just a fun game with no injuries, I think, would be would be good for everyone um, after – some some depressing games last week, certainly. Um, I did want to touch on the injury stuff. We mentioned the offensive linemen. Anyone else that you're sort of... We've only seen one practice report so far, so obviously we don't have, like, detailed information. But anyone that you're concerned about not playing this week? Um, no. Like you said, it was uh, mostly probably like Damian and, you know, Gabe. That was, you know, a rest issue. Uh, other than that, I think we're, for, for the most part, pretty healthy and um, and looking forward to this matchup. Okay, good to hear. Yeah, Falcons only had one player on the injury report um, in Darren Hall who was limited, so it doesn't seem like there's anyone in danger of missing this one either. We'll hope uh, We'll hope it'll stay that way. These two teams can come out of this one just as healthy or more so than they entered it. Um, yeah, what what is uh, your official prediction, uh, Lofa, for this one? Uh, you think Seattle gets up to two wins here, gets, gets a winning record into Week 3? Yeah, I really do. I think, um, you know, a home game after that we have the emotional game, the big letdown. I think we get back on schedule here and, and pull out, um, you know, uh, I we usually do a score prediction. I didn't get to do it on this week's episode, so I'll do it right here. I'm going to say Hawks 31, Falcons 28. I think it's a close game, but I think the Hawks pull this one out. Yeah, it's funny because I was going to say the same score just flipped. So I think I oh, do right. think it will be within that spread. Like it'll be these two yeah. teams sort of going back and forth at it. Um, you know, I, I obviously have to predict the Falcons to win this game because I'm not going to have a lot of opportunities to predict the Falcons to win games this year. You know, no offense to the Seahawks. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the Falcons desperately need to get this win because then they have to go play. Uh, the Bucks next week, and then the 49ers after that. Not so. Zero and five would be disastrous. So they they really need to squeeze out a win here. Um, yeah. But I mean, it, it, we'll see. Like I think this will tell us something about both teams. Like I think if both yeah. teams play hard and look good, then no one's going to be too upset. Um, but you know, I, I think the Falcons. You know, if either one of these teams comes out and looks poor against another, you know, quote unquote lesser team, yeah. I think fans will probably be pretty uh, pretty panicked. <laughs> on both well, sides, there's, so. there's nothing more dangerous than a team that hasn't won yet and so yep. you know i know that pete carroll you know after playing for him in college and then the nfl that's something that you know he's stressing of course it's always about us you know you know and how we take care of our business that's the most important but you know i know he's got to be looking you know looking on the other side like well hey man it's it's like you know like a wounded dog or a wounded animal like their backs against the wall how do they respond so um i think it's, it's going to be i was there for the first week and it was electric. I know, obviously, there were some other circumstances, Russ coming back. But every home game is pretty uh, crazy at, at, at moving field. And so I look forward to a heavyweight fight right here, a title fight. Yeah. Seattle, one of the 
most fun places to play. Definitely a cool stadium to visit as well. Um, so yeah, Seahawks fans are generally pretty nice as long as they're not getting you know beat up too bad by the opposing opposing team. Uh, I've been I've been into some unfriendly stadiums. I think Seattle's pretty pretty friendly for the most part. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm interested to see how it goes uh, and. The Falcons, interestingly, been a much better road team under Arthur Smith. Uh, they've been very bad at home. They've tended to be road warriors. So, um, so far, you know, we'll see if that we'll see if that happens uh, this year. They've played one of each and lost both. So, not a lot of statistical uh, stuff to go off of there. Uh, but I think it'll be a fun one. Um, I think we're gonna see see some fireworks. Uh, I, I'm betting the. I, I would bet the over if I was a betting man. I'm not, but I do think. Uh, these, these guys are going to open it up to try to get what looks like for both teams, one of the uh, easier quote unquote wins on the schedule. So both teams are going to go all out to try to get this one. Um, Lofa, I really appreciate your time. It was a lot of fun guys. He is at Lofa to 51 host of the take 12 podcast on the believe podcast network. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? No, man. I appreciate you having me and uh, yeah, I look forward to a great game, brother. Absolutely. Great game. Stay healthy, everyone. Uh, that's that's the hope. Uh, guys, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Follow me there on Twitter. The site is thefalcoholic.com for all your written uh, content needs. Uh, follow the show at Falcoholic Live. Like, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're on the podcast feed, we appreciate you there as well. Leave a five-star review if you're so inclined. Uh, and if you're interested in supporting the show, you can check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Live. Get early access to all the podcast episodes, ad-free, high quality, all that good stuff, uh, as well as some other cool exclusive content. We appreciate all you guys for hanging out and uh, watching the show, following us there. Uh, again, thanks to Lofa for coming on. We will see you guys on Sunday for the post-game show here on the Falcoholic Live. Uh, Until then, guys, have a great night, and we will see you on game day. Take it easy, guys.